you mentioned it and I got away from it, but at the monastery, Padre Peo was fantastic. The way that he goes back to find the tobacconist and he asked for the cigarettes with the name Etta, which is the breakaway group. And he says, you know, Argos and he, Argos and Draco. Brand. Ar- yeah, yeah. Argos and Dracos. Exactly. I thought all that. And that drew us into it wasn't full black. What was two books ago where we first were in Basque country? Um, wasn't it foreign influence? I, th- I think it was foreign influence and almost the exact same thing is playing out. And he gives a nod to that with the two guys, <laughs> the two guys mm-hmm. that he tied up in, in the back of the car and the trunk when they were driving him up to meet Padre Peo. So I really love we're pulling on strings from a few books ago. It almost is Brad's formula now is that if he starts something two books later, you know, he's going to bring it up. He's going to skip right. one. Exactly. Like Deadfall, he skipped the Nina pregnancy and the trolls family life storyline. We have to be coming back to that in the next book. I yeah, don't think we, we can avoid we, it. We need to talk to him about that. We, we, that has to be a topic we need to bring up. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he's doing that, right, where he's going back to earlier characters, which makes me think someone like a Maggie Rose, Sister Marta, are they going to come back again? Because let's talk about mm-hmm. her for a minute. Sister Marta, she was a, cool, she was a cool character too. The same way we loved Padre Peo, he had that edginess to him. Sister Marta, I felt the same way. The way she spoke to Scott, it's like she saw right through him right through the facade. She knew who he was in his heart and soul. And very few people can talk to Scott that way. And I thought that conversation in the car was brilliant. Yeah. That whole scene of like him going to this orphanage and, you know, he he even picks up the the knife when he orders like food and secrets it away. But like the guards, the bartender already knows that he has it. Like, like that was like, you can drop that knife. Like we know you're the only white person here. Like we, we, we would have, we didn't think you were, we wouldn't let you get this far, you know? Yeah. But like, again, like there's so many little nuances to the story. And like, like you said, some of them you can pull out, but like for the most part, everything is needed and it just connects everything together. And that deepens our understanding of Nicholas too, because using right. orphanages is just a great play. Nicholas yeah. has always been this black and white figure of, he does want to do the right thing. And sister Marta even says that, like he protected us from the cartels. When they were hassling us at the orphanage, Nicholas was the one who got them to go away and solved all our problems. And because of that, I'll communicate messages or do side favors for him. He does fund the orphanage. And Scott says that's his gameplay. He funds a lot of orphanages. I think because he desperately cares about the children because of what he went through. No, yeah, for sure. But his child like in policy. the brothel. But there is self-interest there because it's also recruiting talent. Mm-hmm. But So it's so Nicholas. Scott does say how many favors has he asked of you? And she says, this is the first one. So like, you know, he, but he, she's on, he has you know. favors. Yeah. He has favors cashed up, but does he act on them that often? No, I thought it was interesting how there was this conversation between Reed and, and Tommy about, you know, bringing in the troll and like, you know, sort of yeah. setting this up, this idea of like, Oh, we can't trust the troll. How do, how could you let this, how could you let this happen? I feel like hopefully in the next couple of book, there's like some where this comes to an head and they really like put that to the gabosh. Cause I feel like, yeah, the troll in the past has, he has this history, but as soon as coming on in his relationship with Scott, like now it's, it's 100%. Like there's no going back. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that's been addressed already. I was actually real happy about that conversation to show that Tommy wouldn't have been on board. How could you bring in someone like the troll? We know the terrible things he's done, and he's an information dealer. 
who's been involved with the baddest of the bad. But the fact that we've already been through him and Scott in the trenches together, whatever that book was where they were at that mm-hmm. like lake house and something with a boat and there was the boat in the water and then the troll and him were struggling behind the house and they saved each other. I thought since that moment, we knew they were tied together. Then further, when he brought him, I think this might have been just last book. I think this was Blacklist. When he brought him into the Carlton headquarters and even Reed was trying to vet right. and get get the troll's number and he wasn't sure about him and he had reservations. I feel like this is just that final checkpoint of someone else saying, hey, Reed Carlton, are you making a mistake here? And Reed finally can say, no, I vouch for him because Scott vouched for him. I almost feel like this put that bow on it for me where I don't need more of that. Like Tommy Banks being that old school spy master, giving that final piece of advice of I wouldn't have done it this way, but Reed Carlton getting to say to his master, I did it this way because I think it's right. And getting that blessing from Tommy Banks, I feel like was a nice little bow. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. You, you have here in the notes, this reflection of Scott, um, and it's it was something that when I was reading, I wanted to talk to you about too. So that's funny that we both yeah. we both pinpointing it. But this yeah. idea that Scott doesn't like killing with knives, he, he much prefers a weapon. And it you know he goes to this idea you you have here. I'll I'll, I'll read a quote since you pulled it out for me. Please but, do. Though he had done it before, Arvath was not fond of using a knife. There was something barbaric about it. It was too close, too messy, too personal. He preferred using a firearm. It allowed him to keep a certain psychological distance. He had lost track of the men he had killed pulling a trigger. Those were, weren't faces he struggled to keep banished to the remote corners of his psyche. It was the men he killed up close, inches away, whose faces sometimes loomed in his mind. He never figured out why. He was required to kill for a living, and he had little problem with doing it. Why should one form of killing be different from another? The end result was the same. The only conclusion he could come to was that civilized people were encoded with an aversion to murder. Throughout thousands of years of history, tales of morality and murder were handed down from one generation to the next. Human beings were, are steeped in stories about unjustified taking of life, and the acts they find mo- most reprehensible are those committed with the most basic tools, stones or knives, clubs or bare hands, as if the tools most associated with the murder are those that have been around as long as murder itself. It's just like the bullet, like, and then he goes into like, the bullet is his intercessor. He pulled the trigger, but the bullet does the killing. So like he, he, it's like a a step, you know, one step removed. Whereas like, you know, as you're holding that knife and you get close is what, what, or, you know, your bare hands, it's, it's this interesting little peel back into, to Scott's mind that I feel like we haven't really gotten like yet, like maybe since the very beginning, but it I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the, these couple paragraphs to like, you know, sort of really stop, reflect, think about, you know, who Scott is. Yes, he's a killer, but he's not a maniac. He's not a psycho. You know, he still, you know, he literally says like he has things that he has to keep banished to the remote corners of his psyche. You know, yeah. those men that he killed up close. I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you, you, you pulled this up and reflected on it as well. Yeah. Thank you for reading that one because I wanted to make sure we covered that. Struck, I think, both of us because it was a bit out of the ordinary for Brad. Mm -hmm. And I think it shows a really deep progression in his writing. You know, he's not the warrior himself, but he's so closely related with friendships and family members who are. 
And at this point in his life, I'm sure he's made so many contacts in this world. Yet I feel like he never really put the psychology of a killer or the spirit of an assassin or a warrior into his characters yet, just because that's not who he was in his personal life. But now he's at the point where he so intimately has spent years and ages and developed friendships with people of this ilk that I think he's ready to write it. And same with Scott. When Scott was on Secret Service, I feel like the reflections we got were how he wants to protect, how he wants to defend. He wants to be the Papa Bear. And I think that's Brad Thor's life. You know, like that's his family man, his fatherhood. Right. I think he was comfortable doing that. But to go into this Jack Carr, into the the like recesses and the mind of a warrior, maybe wasn't his comfort zone. But now his skill level as a writer has progressed so far, he can write a passage like that. It stuck out to me as something really, really incredible, as opposed to the depth we've gotten with Scott Harveth thus far in the series has been, I want a family. I'd like to settle down. I want to be a father. I love that. And that's a great right, part of his right. character. It was, it was different. It, exactly. But it was one dimensional. It was one note. And Marta, I think, is even teasing that out of him. And that conversation with Padre Peo and Marta is showing us like the limits of Scott wanting to be a family man. But he really needs to confront that he's also an assassin. And I think that has been coming to a head for a while, but hasn't been completely confronted. It's been hinted at and then ignored. It's like, I want it to be a family man. And then the girl I love dies. I want to be a family man. And then the girl I love can't be with me. <laughs> We've kind of shirked it. And here he's kind of saying, like, what is the life of a warrior? What is their, their mental approach to what they do? And once Scott can overcome that, Maybe he's ready to finally realize how a relationship and settling down can work. So I really like that passage. I think it just shows the depth of his mind, another side of who he is. And it was a very different writing from what we've seen from Brad so far. I think that was an important passage that stuck out for both of us. Definitely. Speaking of women, though, <laughs> we, we said from the very beginning of this podcast does Brad or what we mean, Scott, have a woman problem? <laughs> like it's been a trope. It's been a theme. A am I wrong? It's been a thing. No, it's very true. So now let me ask you this. Is it one too many times where every single woman Scott comes up against in these books has to be described as attractive? <laughs> oh, it was an attractive 30 year old, some, you know, mid thirties, you know, attractive woman, very buxom <laughs> every single time. Sister Marta, Maggie Rose. All of the Athena ladies. It's just like okay, Caroline and Nina Romero. Is is it just me or is that just such a mainstay of the series? We have to accept it and just enjoy it. I think it's just a, you know, it's what keeps people, you know, a certain class of people coming back to read these novels. They like the certain readers like that kind of stuff. So Brad keeps putting it in there. You know, it's, it's a just, it's what he does. Yeah, it's another Thorism for sure. Don't you think? Uh, what did you I'm think wrong. of? I mean, speaking about buxom ladies, what did you think about uh, bringing the Athena group back in? <laughs> I thought it was great. I I've said that from the beginning. I loved how they're part of this universe. He has no one else to turn to, right? The Carlton group has been completely exposed and decimated. So I thought really cool. Oh, and that's a great little scene. When he goes and meets, what was his name? Dan McCreary or something at the, the salon. Yeah, the owner of the the salon. <laughs> yeah, this old old army dude owning a nail salon. That's great, though. It's a front, and he can go into the back. And I love how this guy doesn't trust him. And as soon as Scott starts name dropping all these people, 
this guy, he's, he's luring this guy in again. It was a, it was a spy spy move, something that banks would teach Reed and then Reed mm-hmm. would teach Scott. How do you give just enough to get this guy to play ball? Then slowly he was really trying to, you know, reel him in. And eventually he got Build him to that relationship. Contact. Yeah. Yeah. And put him in touch with the Athena. Ladies. Right. So I love the Athena ladies. And from the moment we met them, we knew Gretchen Casey and Scott had a little, they were flirtatious from the get go. Something. There was something. And she's the leader. Mm-hmm. She's the commander. So obviously she's the next one up. But then, you know that meme when that couple is holding hands and the guy turns his head to look back at the other girl they passed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Riley Turner. He's holding hands with Gretchen Casey, but he's looking back at Riley Turner, the nurse or the medical um, assistant, and he ends up going with her. And they were going to have their fling in Paris. But then when he loses her, he now, it seems Casey still wants him in that ending line of, Casey says there's other things we have to do right now and they're drinking on the beach. Is it just like Scott has to get with every lady that's introduced? Like, is it just like the bond girl kind of syndrome here? Or do you really feel him and Gretchen should have been together? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of bond girl. It's, it's tying up, you know, cause I, I don't think this continues on after. I think it was just like a, a thing that maybe people wanted to see happen. and It, it was a convenient way to do it. And then we move on, you know, because I, I think quickly we're going to get to Laura soon yeah, uh, in the next yeah. couple books. So that's going to be big. But don't you think when we had Casey and him flirting in the Athena project, we could have just kept running with that. Do we need to have this whole love triangle with Riley? I would have liked to see him and Casey together the whole way through, just setting something stable. But he loved Riley. He couldn't get her out of his mind. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't get it, you know, couldn't get out of her mind, so I don't know. But they finally got together, and now it can be put to bed, I guess. Well, he's got to get with Rhodes, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott. I mean, he has a nickname for a reason, Norseman. Although he didn't make the moves on Casey. He didn't, you know, that was her no. needing it. So she, she just needed a little something, hey. and, and she told Scott what she needed. So I'm okay, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Maybe we should do uh, Scott's ladies as an episode, ranking our favorite uh, Scott ladies. Uh, ranking our favorite, sure. Well, you know, getting into, the, I don't know, maybe that's a little, a little too much. Who are our favorite characters, though? Uh, w- women of the Brad Thorverse. We need a good nickname for that. There's got to be a good, like we have our traveling heavy segment, which we'll still have to cover at the end with the scorecard. I feel like we need a, we need a good jingo or a good line to describe our uh, Scott's ladies. Yeah, no, something. So speaking of the scorecard, should we get into that? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, We hinted at it along the way, but I think it's going to be tough to kind of nail down and settle on numbers here. But um, let's do it. And why don't we kick it off with action? I mean, what do you think, Chris, the action in this book out of 10? You know, I was really liking the action until you brought up this idea that there wasn't like this one big set piece. There was a lot lot of like little set pieces. You know, we kind of went through them with... All, there's, there's a lot like it's kind of even hard to like put it you know all culminating with this attack on the safe house where we get you know scott is actually taken like with with the taser and then boom tommy banks comes in and with with carlton saves the day i don't know i i probably have to give like an 8.5 like it's it's everything like is is solid it's nice you know i think if like you had like something like 
real crazy some sort of helicopters you know like something like that like would would have bumped it up to that nine but solid 8.5 yeah i think my initial reaction would be to join you in the eights eight eight point five but something doesn't sit right with me not only that it's missing the action set piece and i have to say i think the action is timed very well i think for the snippets of action we get they're paced very well but I'm going to put that right. in my plot score, my plot and buy-in score, because it draws you right back in when you need it to. And it's not its not there just to be there. Some authors are very clear. We need a big action piece right now. So someone starts shooting. Like, I buy when the action takes place in the plot. But for me, that's more plot and buy-in stuff where I have to go a little lower on action. And another reason is it almost was wash, rinse, and repeat. You know, mm. like... Scott's getting shot at in the apartment in Paris. He has to get out. And then he's in Basque Country. Him and Padre Peo get snuck up on. Got to get out. And Padre Peo saves him, but takes the shot, takes the bullet. But Padre showed up at just the right time to defend Scott. Same thing in McAllen on the ranch in Texas. Him and Maggie Rose, like, Scott took that sniper out, but then they were getting into the house. And right at the right time, Nina comes around the corner and saves the troll. And then at the very end, just when you thought Scott was down and out, Reed Carlton comes around the corner and saves the day. I know it was different settings with different characters, but it just felt a little too repetitive. I expected there was like a formula to every action scene. This might be controversial. I think I have to go 7.5. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. But that's going to be made up for in a lot of other areas where I love this book. Okay. okay. For example, plot. I'm going nine and a half. Nine and a half. Near perfect in how this thing was crafted. Really was. I I think I'm going to join you there, dude. It's this plot was was banging. Uh, like I think it doesn't get a ten because of those little little bit of seams, right. little bit of like extra fluff that maybe weren't needed. Correct. But for the most part, super solid plot. And then like buy in, like I'm I'm fully bought in. Like I I, I don't know. Do I go five four point five five? Like it's I understand the attack. I love how everything is set up. Uh, you know, nothing is too fantastical. Like it's super, you know, everything is like real. Yep. So I, I could see this happening. I understand like how, you know, everyone could be turned on the Carlton group and like how they get, you know, everyone gets burned. Like I've seen this in movies and others. Like, so it, it just makes sense. And so buy-in super high. I agreed with you. I'm going to go even higher to a five simply because I didn't need that mm. action. My action score is a little lower, but the reason for that is that it wasn't necessary because I was so bought in to when it happened. So yeah, all those little things you mentioned, I agree are critiques, but I think that's captured in my action and plot score. Like like the migrants on the McAllen Ranch thing. See what you're going for. Did it really land? Not quite. But I'm only going to take off half a point in plot for that because my buy-in was still super high. Gotcha. And buy-in, I'm actually going to say, relates to the next two categories, good guys and bad guys. For sure. Because with this many characters with this much backstory linking them together. The reason I'm bought in is because the backstories were so perfect. So I'm going to go five on bad guys. We talked about that already from Bremer to Middleton to Schroeder. Like that's a really, really cool little trio of bad guys who each have their own distinct personalities and angles in the game. There wasn't, you know, like sometimes with these villains, there's like, they do something stupid or the, yes. there's some, some plot device associated with them, but I didn't feel like, there was anything with that here. Like, but the, everything made sense. Again, like, like you said, buy-in. So maybe, maybe I should bump buy-in back up to five because the 
plot development with the bad guys was so good, or the the character development with the with the bad guys was so good. It 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 lended itself to both the plot and the buy-in score of like yeah. understanding and and really invigorating this entire story. So yeah, I agree. Five out of five for the bad guys. Similar to the good guys, I mean, you could take Caroline, Nina, Romero, both great, even though we get very limited time with them. We already said how we're developing more about Nicholas, which we were clamoring for. We just really took off with him within the last two books, and we're still learning more about him, including his origin story, essentially. Or we thought we knew his origin story, but now we get another angle on that, how he met Caroline Romero. Which would be the sister of his half sister of his future wife. So we're fleshing out all these characters. We said Tommy Banks, got to go five out of five on the good guys. I can't see a way around it. Yeah, no, and then Mike Schreiber bringing in the Athena uh, projects again, and Tommy Banks. Uh, you know, all these characters, great. Yep, Maggie Rose, like she was an interesting little character at the Three Peaks Ranch. Like yes. you know, just everyone that that played a role, perfect. Five out of five needed to be there. Agreed. Or can you talk to me about setting? I I could go a couple of ways here, so I kind of want to hear your thoughts. We had just enough, I think, variety of settings, a wide mm-hmm. range of settings, and we went just enough deep into some of them, and others we just stayed surface level. How do you put that all together for a setting score? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess we should do our traveling heavy right. uh, segment uh, at this. So we start out in France, in Paris, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go to... We go to Basque Country, and the trains were, were pretty cool. Yeah, we're in we're in Pentagon City in DC, all around uh, Annapolis Junction, which is where my dad's company is located. Like oh, that's really? where ATS is. Uh, you know, it's sort of like kind of near where my house used to be in Columbia, Maryland, right outside of Fort Meade. Right. Uh, we have we spent time in Mexico, in yeah. Texas. Yep. We get snippets. You know, I guess they go to. The other ranch, which which they don't say where it is, and then ultimately they have to, yeah, they have to go to. uh, I guess they're in Virginia is where this hideout is. Yeah, rural Virginia, rural Virginia, and then also rural Virginia for where Tommy Banks and and Reed Carlton are. So like, I don't know, like the description of like the CNO Canal and the description of 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 Mexico, like this town right across from McAllen, like like that was very invigorating, like. And of like the Basque country, like we, we get a little bit more into that. I guess like we're, we're kind of like not as much because we were just there. But it was know, nice like to go back. Books. Right. I don't know. So maybe it's like a four. It's not, it's not a, a perfect, but yeah, we get like enough and a nice variety, you know, of like what, what they are. And, but so he goes France, Spain, Mexico, Texas, and then I guess from Texas, that's when he goes back to like the DC area. Yeah. So we're not not traveling super heavy this book. Not super heavy internationally, but you're right. The places that are done are done well, but they're almost a little too quick, and we cycle through them. Mm. I actually think the five out of five for me on setting would come based on Reed Carlton and Tommy Banks, because Reed is all over Northern Virginia, and then he's at the Canal right. House, and he's on the run, and I really sensed what it was like to be read on the run. I felt like it was one of those movies where someone's staying at a motel, you know, looking out the window, peeking through the curtains, trying to see who comes into the parking lot. And then they stop at a gas station. They're looking around. And then he meets at the CNO canal in this lock house. that's kind of deep and dark in the woods. I thought that was really cool. 
But then Scott's places, yeah, I think I have to go four. I think a four and a half could be justified. It was really good. The estate was kind of cool. However, I think we cycled a little too fast at the end, sneaking onto the estate. Right. That was all kind of rushed just to get to this closing scene. So I I think four is right. I think we got to go four, even though what was done well was done pretty darn well. Oh, we go to North Carolina too, because we go right outside of the farm. Like that's where the Delta, the, we meet up with the, uh, right. The Athena ladies. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So maybe we're just doing a little too much. Too quickly. Too quickly. Doing too much too quickly. But what was there was good. There was a lot of good meat on the bones. All right. Do we do covers or do we do our winners? Can we end on a positive? So can we get covers out of the way simply because as much as this book has scored great and I loved it, the two worst things for me is the action and the covers. The covers here are just all over the place, bro. It's too much. It's too much. So do we have any parachuting scenes? So the parachutes are front and center on the main cover. And yes, at the end, when they take out the board members, again, it was kind of rushed. They down the plane with the CIA pilot, and then they jump out with the parachutes into the ocean. It was an important scene because they got revenge on the board members who authorized this attack. These greedy cowards are going to hide out as the country burns. But them jumping off the planes was like a paragraph. So much. I I forgot it. I forgot about it. I know. Because it happens at the end after all this other stuff happened. It's almost like the denouement. And it's not like what Don Bentley did with his parachute scene in Without Sanction, the first Matt Drake novel. I remember sure. gripping him, him jumping <clears throat> out of the, the cockpit and him being ready to deploy and then deploying too late. And like every detail of it felt real. And I remember it. I felt like I was on that jump. Here it was just like they put on their suits and jump out of the plane. They land in the ocean. They get picked up by the Navy. Why put that on the cover? Uh, don't you want the farmhouse know. or the ranch? The, put the one of the though. ranches, the windmill from the ranch. Like that would have been perfect. If you want to have like something stagnant, yes. Paris, like, <laughs> yes. I mean, there's just so much something in Basque country. I don't know. Like I, I almost, so the one next to it, which has the NSA logo on it, mm-hmm. like that is better it is. That's the probably the best one because it, you know, it, 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 that's the plot. Like everything that the NSA gave the keys to the farm to ATS. To ATS, right. And that's what, you know, brought us down, it, you know, gave us this blacklist. Yeah. But to me, this, like the, the helicopter parachute, they're like the, not helicopter, but the parachute scene would make it seem like with the blacklist, oh, these guys are jumping out to then go kill somebody. But in actuality, they jumped out after they killed, like, yeah. And then, so the new, the new, uh, series which is our cover c has the pentagon with mm. this key logo is that is that supposed to be like a lock and a key is it yeah is that what you're getting for that? i was definitely getting a lock and a key possibly like a power button maybe also mm. but, i guess that, that's tying in like computer data exactly od pentagon dod but like they were never at the oh, i guess bremer is at the pentagon right right so so i think that one's okay though that one does it's okay just enough. it's okay Because it does just enough to tie into the data stuff, the power, the DOD, the military intelligence complex, if you will. And here's the thing that ups cover C for me. Compare that to the other ones in this line with the random symbol that has nothing to do with anything. Oh, (laughs) yeah. This is perhaps the best 
in that line. Sure. Very I mean, true. I might be shooting low here, but if I'm comparing it to the others in this new paperback line, this one is one of the better ones. Now, what about the international ones? Because I had to put a bunch down here. We've got six covered, and I think there were a few more. I wanted to include all these because they're all kind of having a very different take. What do you think about the international line? It's interesting. You know, I, I feel like I can't ever, when the international lines are all bad, I can't ding. I can't, they, I don't really use the international ones to ding even lower, but the international ones definitely can elevate, bring it up, bring up a score. You know, it's not, I've, at least that's how I do it. Yep. Because, you know, they put these on these things just to sell them and they're like, they're going to put like whatever again. So we get a, we get a helicopter or an airplane jumping out scene. Again, that's the very end. We get an NSA, NSA with the target. I kind of like the the E, the, this target. You know, there were some sniper like scenes yep. in this. List and it has the Negra, seal, like the national security. Yeah, it has the seal overlaid. We got the White House, or the, that's the Capitol building. Not really involved there. Capitol building again. I guess it's just it, generally like to describe dc like you know political actions they, they slap that on there yeah what's this guy with the coat like uh, the trench coat the trench coat i'm trying to figure out is that tommy banks is it reed carlton he doesn't look too old oh we we've completely forgot to mention the uh the homeless men and how he actually they capture martin vignon that's right on the mall at that the world a, war ii memorial on the mall yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, and then the torture scenes. There were two torture scenes. They had yeah, Vignon. Tommy Banks doing waterboarding. The yeah. waterboarding. The torture scenes were were kind of good. Again, Brad trying something a little different. And and once Reed and Tommy are on their own, like this book had multiple competing storylines, and Reed and Tommy doing their thing was a really cool part of it. This entire book could have just been them. Like it could have figured out the plot. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And that it would have been, been Nicholas, fun. the entire, you know, the, yeah. you could have each the three segments could have been their entire book. But here's the problem. Sometimes when that happens, it doesn't intertwine very well. And it's a stretch mm -hmm. to bring them together because that's happened before. I would say but that's this one's not perfect. a problem here. No, not at all. You want each of the separate storylines to develop, but you also want them to be related somehow, but not too heavily related. And this is like a perfect balance of all of that. Yeah, very true. Okay, so the reason I wanted to put all these covers is because D and E, I feel, are really cool that could bring up the cover score from an aesthetics viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And even E, as a judge of cover by the book, viewpoint. But unfortunately, D, which is perhaps my favorite design, has the parachuters. At least this time it has the plane. Yeah. Because they do jump out of the plane, but with the setting sun in the background – I thought D looks like an awesome movie poster. And I think I've it said does. this before about the Indian covers. And I looked this language up. This is not actually Hindi. This is an Indian language from the Goa region, more like Western mm. Central India, Maranta, Maranti. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but they're banging out some really cool covers. Cause I remember a few in that line that I said, damn, that's designed so well. That's a movie poster. If you put that in a movie theater, in like one of those nine by 12 or right. you know, whatever the format is, I would I'm love to see it. Yeah, I would yeah, go yeah. see that. It, it just looks so cool and it's designed so well. So their design game over in India in the state of Goa, whoever's doing that is bang on perfect. Unfortunately, it's the parachuting. So I couldn't allow it to really jump my score up too much. And then 
F and G are the worst. They're just terrible. <laughs> they have nothing yeah, to do with really the book. Bad. The designs are horrible. I feel like Eastern Europe usually has that. I think one of these is Czech mm-hmm. and one is Polish maybe or something. Uh, they ruin it. The Eastern European covers, like the UK covers, just ruin these books sometimes. They just make horrible, horrible designs. Where oftentimes our South Asian or Southeast Asian, because we've had some Thai covers or like Burmese covers that just knock it out of the park. They have freaking awesome designs. I love that. And then H&I I thought were fun. I like H&I almost have Flinian vibes. They include mm-hmm. the red, white, and blue. The problem there is why go vibrant red, white, and blue, which looks cool and will probably sell for this book. This book is called Blacklist. A and B yeah. and C at least nail the colors. With the black. Yeah, yeah. Blacklist makes sense for A, B, and even C in a sense. It's that dark blue sky or background. Where H and I, I'm like, I really like these, but red, white, and blue is not the cover to put on the blacklist, a book about intelligence no. and spying and, and whatnot. You put that on like an executive power, separation of power, something about being patriots and saving the American government. I feel like you don't put it in this book. So where do I land on this? I don't absolutely love any of them. None yeah, of them, none of them really relate to the plot perfectly. None of them judge a cover by the book perfectly. Some work from a design aesthetic. And unfortunately, because of that, and this book might tank this book from being in the top five in the end. I think I have to go three, three and a half, maybe. Oh, what are you going to go even lower? I got to go half. Okay. Oh, whoa. In that case, I got to go three. I can't give it any more than that. I got to go two and a half. It gets wow. a half score. It gets a half score. They're pretty bad, but I think that Indian one saves it for me. And C, you know what? I got to stay with a three because of cover C. Cover C actually yeah, does its cover job. Cover C is cool. All right. Let me, I'll bump mine to a three too. No, 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 no. You, you don't can, have you to. You convince me. You convince me. You the other reason me. I don't, I don't want to totally bomb on this score because it had the potential to be in the top, maybe not five, but very clearly in the top top half of brad thor books it really mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. be up there it was that good yeah, for sure i don't want the cover to totally you know knock it down into like the 15th spot <laughs> all right who, who's your winner of the book who's your free space <sighs> oh man i i don't want to cop out and generally say the characters and how much backstory we got so i'm not going to pick one but i'm going to say brad's ability to develop a backstory at a point where i thought we knew everything or knew a lot the fact that he created so many new backstories, whether it's what happened with the troll, whether it's bringing in Tommy Banks, whether it's the Romeros and Nina's going to stick around like that blows my mind. And to do that for villains at the same time. So I'm not going to give it to a character, but I'm going to give it to Brad's ability to flesh out a backstory. This was a masterclass in how to do that. Okay. Yeah. You know, I could cop out and pick any of my, you know, a Tommy Banks, the Schreiber, uh, even like one of the villains, Padre Pao. Uh, but I, I think, and we, 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 we went on a little bit deep probably in that. I don't know if that's going to be in part one or part two, but that reflection on killing with a knife yeah. and it, it's kind of related to yours, but just like the, we're seeing the maturing and the, the, this, I guess it's, it's a nice transition for how Brad's writing is developing, how he's really hitting his stride. And so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use that 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 quote, but like generally like just this this transition to like what we're gonna be expecting now going forward in these books, that that's my winner of this book. Yeah. 
I love it. Love it. Well, all that brings us to a pretty solid score of a 44 for me, 44 and a half for you. Chris, that's pretty good when we look at the rest of our Brad Thor scores. Like the books we've really liked have been in that 44, 45 range. It's been rare to go up to a 46 or 47. So it's definitely putting it in the top half for sure. And the unfortunate thing is it lost a full two points on cover. So yeah, just the book on its own could have been a 46 easily, a 47 in some ways. With a better cover. With a better cover. I thought this was a banger. I thought it was a great book. Yeah. Very good book. Very good book. Glad. Nice, nice final book of the year for us. Absolutely. And we said it at the beginning, it followed up full black real well. It, it When we picked up with the shootout in Paris, once we saw Scott, and even picking up an opening scene, a cold open with Caroline Romero, this book was firing all cylinders out the gate. And then I feel like it kept that up. It really kept it up till the end. Yeah, definitely. Great decisions by Brad. And we're even seeing some progression in his writing. It's doing, this book is doing a lot for the series. Very true. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, what we have next. What What's the next uh, Scott Harvath book? Who, um, well, if you guys haven't seen it yet, in the next few days, we will be posting our first half of 2024 reading list. And we're going to have some Scott Harveth on there a little later down the road. Uh, but the next book we're covering is Sons of Valor. We're going to try to do mm. Sons of Valor 1, 2, and 3 to kick off 2024. Do a little Andrews and Wilson. Before we return back to Scott Harveth, which will be with Hidden Order. Actually... We have to do something before that. Free fall. Free fall. Oh, is that that short story? He, it's the short story. It's one of the one of his short stories. It's a prelude to Hidden Order. Oh, wow. So that has to be worked in. Yeah. Interesting. I'm Doesn't he have another one here. also? I, there's another, um, the Athens Solution. It's like 14.5. Okay, so that will have to come a few books down the road. But wow, but good call. That's a prelude to Foreign Agent foreign agent okay yeah oh good call we'll have to work that into our reading list so lots to look forward to check out our 2024 reading list we're going to be working in a couple of different elements including like i said andrews and wilson but also don bentley we want to make sure we work on the matt drake series before we hear from don talking about the mitch rap series which will come later in the year so we definitely want to front load the calendar with some andrews and wilson some don bentley and continue to work through the brad thor series I'm also I'm on this thing. There, there's a an epilogue too. There's like a bonus chapter that he released later on for Hidden Order. Hidden Order, a very interesting book. It's got a it's got a prelude and a bonus epilogue. Jeez. They were all released at separate times. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about all that. That's crazy. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah, that's neat. All right, guys. Thank you once again. This is our last pod. I don't know what it's probably coming out after Happy New Year or after the New Year's, but uh, you know. Thanks to everyone again. Got to say a big thank you to our patrons, our special library, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Ben, Matt, Dawn, Peggy, Ray, Bridget, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review to all three seasons of The No Limits using either Apple or Spotify. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let banks be banks. <laughs>